welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Have you, I hope you've had a good week. Yeah, I um, was, last week I was talking about how God restores things, isn't that right? Hopefully that um, was an encouragement to you. I'm going to continue on that, Finn, this morning, um, because it's, it strikes me, I, I, I'm already, I don't know about you, you know, I just have to, conf- you know the way we're doing a pantomime? Oh, that's better. Okay, that was way better. Okay. <laughs> you see, that would be my declaration of faith. Oh, no, we're not. Okay. So let's try that again. You know the way we're doing a pantomime? Oh. <laughs> well, see, the thing, the thing about absolutely rubbish, right? If you're foreign here this morning or watching online, that's just a wee bit of tradition over here. Um, tradition. So the thing about Christmas is I don't particularly like it, right? So just going to fess that up right now. So when it gets to sort of mid, after, I know, don't look at me, you're all judging me, right? <laughs> like, stop it. It's just, it just, uh, it's not about the whole, like Jesus and his birth. That's all really important. Don't get me wrong. It's all the stuff that goes around it. Do you know what I mean? All the running around, the messing around, anyone? Yeah. Or do you all love that? Oh, I can't be bothered with it. I'm just being honest. I say to the kids every year, just to keep them going, right? Christmas tree this year. It'll go up on Christmas Eve, and it'll be down again on Boxing Day. I know. Oh, I think I'm I'm losing you already this morning, aren't you? Right? See, if you turn up here in church in a Christmas jumper, you and me's done. That's all I'm saying. Penny every year goes, get yourself a Christmas jumper, and I go, not a chance. It's just not happening. But so generally, sometime after October, I start to look to the new year, because I actually, I know that people get miserable in January. Isn't it like there's a day in January where everyone's like the most depressed they're ever going to be in their life or something? Isn't it like three weeks? It's the, the 38th of January when you haven't been paid for like three months and all that, and you've no money in the bank and you, the nights are cold. But I love that. Now, now you might think I'm a miserable so-and-so, but I love January because it's like the start of something new, isn't it? Amen. And so at this stage, I can't help myself. At this stage, I'm going, Christmas whatever. Oh, by the way, on the whole pantomime thing, you need to invite people, okay? Seriously, straight up. It's only about three weeks away. It's doing my head in in our house at the minute, all right, with dance routines and all this sort of stuff, and I'm trying to keep myself out of it. Now, and for those of you asking, I am not the ugly sister, all right? <laughs> they did try to put me into that role because they said it'd be easy for makeup. You know, you just get you up there and you wouldn't really have to do anything to you. I thought that was a bit harsh, wasn't it? I said, no way, David Highland is the man for that, so we're going to get him up. And... Uh, he just looked at me funny there. That's why I was giving him that look. But it's, it's interesting that for me, when I start to, you know, I, I like to try to get in front of things. You know, I think that's the way that the Lord works it in your life. You know, the way we, we kind of leave things, most of us, we are constantly living life in reactive mode. Isn't that right? Something happens, we react. And it's almost like, and life can be like that because there's things that come up and it's, you don't know that they're going to come up. You don't know that they're going to happen. And you have to be nimble and, and, and agile and, and kind of deal with what's ever in front of you. And that's part of life, and I understand that. But most of us never get beyond that. And what happens then is when we live from, from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, it has an effect on us, actually, which is deeply profound, and it, it robs us of hope. Because we feel like life is going from one thing to the next, to the next. And I'm not saying that your life's a disaster, because it's certainly not. I mean, most of us are, are doing pretty well. If you look around the place this morning, you know, there's, so, I know we've all got our struggles, but generally speaking, we all do pretty good, right? Generally, right? Isn't that right? We have to be thankful for what God has done, not define our worlds in terms of lack, 
all right? Because that's the spirit of the age. Instead of saying, actually, it's not what I don't have. It's what has been given to me in Christ, all right? And that's a totally different pivot for your world. But it's interesting for me. I found that I'm going to start a series today, which is an interesting time of the year to start a new series. It's on my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Joshua. I'm going to explain a bit of that. Because I kind of feel like the Lord said, get in front of this. What's coming our way? Do you get that? The Lord plants a seed. See, in the world, what happens is we expect, in the Instagram world that we live in today, we kind of feel like, you know, give me five pounds and you'll have a million back next week. You know, this kind of Instagram influencer world, which is clearly nonsense. And so what we've done is we've got out of the rhythm of understanding that God plants seed. And there is seed, there's time, and there's harvest. And oftentimes when God is speaking to you, we, we always think, like, I've got a word for today. When we're going from crisis to crisis to crisis, we think, oh, God, just give me a word for today, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And I believe that, okay? But also I believe that whenever God speaks to me about something, he's planting something in me, which is going to take time, and then there's going to be a harvest. Do you get that? And so whenever you look through into 2024, and 2023 has been a laugh, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Cost of living, interest rates, blah, 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 blah. Just rubbish weather, all that kind of stuff. You know, you just kind of go, oh, cracking year. Wish we could do this one again. Said, <laughs> said nobody ever, right? You kind of go, actually, you know, when I look in 2024, it's a brilliant time to have hope again, a confident expectation of goodness. And things are going to change for our church next year, significantly so. I mean, we'll probably, we won't be here this time next year. Who knows where we'll be? We could still be at the arches, underneath the arches, you know, homeless and all the rest of it. Who knows, all right? The Lord knows and he's working it out for. He better be, because if not, we're in trouble. And I'm only kidding, it's all, it's all, we've got a plan, he said confidently, crossing, crossing his arms. But it strikes me that this Actually, what happens is last week I, I said something, and I've had a number of occasions this week to have this conversation with people about the spirit that we operate in in this world when we come to 2024. It's like walking, I've come this, this series, Walking Into Your Promise. And walking into your promise actually starts with understanding that the spirit that you have been given by God is different to the spirit of the world. You have the spirit of grace on you this morning, in you, on you, around you, before you, in front of you, behind you, and to the side of you. And the spirit of grace, the spirit of Jesus himself, is what is, you know, is, he is the only one that we need in order to walk into the promises that God has for us. It's the only one. And, but what I find time and time again is, you know, that's why I was encouraging you this week, just to sit in the presence of Jesus. I don't know if anyone did that this week. I've had conversations with a few people. Um, we're just... You don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to come. It's good to come and you can make your request known to God. I understand that. But you know sometimes when you go, I don't even know what I need. Like, it's not like I've got this worked out so I can say to you, Lord, with all clarity and with all, like, I've got this one figured out. I need this. So if you could help. It's like sometimes you just go, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not this. Does anyone know what it's like to live like that? I might have some idea. So for sick, it's easy, isn't it? Well, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to have that pain. I don't want to live with that dysfunction. But in general sort of life at times, we can go, I don't know what it is, but sometimes I define it in terms of what it's not. I, I, I don't know really what I want or what it looks like, but I know it's definitely not where I am now, Lord. And the Lord can deal with that. Do you get that? You know, religion will have you tied up in knots. Get, get yourself together. Get into the presence of the Lord. Do, 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 do. And the Lord says, just come and sit. Take a big breath and just leave it with me. And just sit in my presence for a moment and just 
And in that beautiful divine exchange between you and the Lord, what will happen is hope starts to rise. Because I'll tell you what happens. Hope, for me, walking into the promise of God is all about this idea of hope. And this is not a series about hope. But what I find is when hope goes, when hope starts to diminish in us, then all bets are off. Hope is what we need. We have a spirit of hope in us. The spirit of grace is about hope in your life. And what happens is the world, just the world that we live in, the powers of darkness in the world, the spirit of the world, it's a different spirit. It's about fear. It's about reaction. It's about short-term thinking. It's about hunker down, be stoic. It's about all of those things. And I want to tell you, you'll never walk into the promise of God that way because there's a different spirit on you. And we're going to look at that as we start to get into, I'm just going to look at um, a few weeks on Joshua running up to Christmas. Then we'll probably do some Christmassy stuff because it's Christmas. And then we'll probably continue this into the new year. Is that all right? So what I want you to do is we're actually going to start in the the book of Numbers today because um, I I absolutely believe this. Let let me tell you something. John 17.3 says this, this is eternal life. This is eternal life is what? Is that they may know you, the only true God. This was a bit where Jesus is talking to his father and we get this this beautiful kind of spectator view. As Jesus says, he's going towards the cross and he starts to pray and he prays first of all uh, for himself, then he prays for the, the, the disciples, the apostles, then he prays for all of us. And he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so the, the, the purpose of God in your life next year is not to get stuff and not to overcome things. It's to know Jesus. Do you get that? It's to have a deepening encounter and a relationship with Jesus. And we know, I know that we say that all the time in church, but I think some of us have got into the rhythm of going from pillar to post and reacting and responding and everything and forgetting what it means just to sit still in the presence of Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus in those moments, right? Don't be surprised if your life today feels like, I keep praying and I don't get an answer. I, you know, I kind of come on, God, are you coming through? Because sometimes when we're seeking the gifts and not the giver, what we do is we miss out completely because Jesus reverses the order and says, this is eternal life. Eternal life is me. It's your relationship with me. It's those moments of encounter and connection where it's you and me and everything else then finds its rightful place. All the worry, all the stress, all the anxiety finds its place whenever you connect with me and in those moments, you just breathe and let me be God. Do you get that? And some of us, I'm gonna say it now, need to slow ourselves down a little need to come back again. I'm not talking about living like some kind of monk, you know, up in Tullymore at the top of the, the hills there and, you know, eating wild locusts and what, they don't have wild locusts in Tullymore, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Rabbits and twigs. I'm not talking about that. Don't be weird. But at some point in your day, in some point in your rhythm, there has to be, it's okay, you've got this. Because in the absence of that, what you will do is you will take it all on yourself and the spirit of the age is, will drive you down to the point where you've got no hope. So you can stoically keep going, you can keep pressing through, you can keep trying your very best, but the overall trend is one of defeat. And the Lord says, I've got way better for you. Did somebody say amen this morning? So in in looking forward into 2024, I wanna look at um, Joshua and Caleb. I'm gonna give you some new insights into Caleb this morning that you might not have heard before because this is my favorite story in the whole Bible. It's when Joshua starts to... Um, you know, is raised up, okay, as a picture of Jesus for us. So remember this, in the Old Testament, uh, everything is, every, Jesus is concealed in the Old Testament. 
We don't see him as Jesus as we know him in the new. So we, I say this all the time. He's concealed in the old and revealed in the new. And this is a picture of Jesus. The name Joshua, Yeshua, the same root name, okay? And what, what I'm gonna say to you is I'm gonna keep preaching Jesus to you every, every opportunity I get on this, on this platform. This church will be a church that preaches Jesus and Jesus alone. Do you get that? Not self-help, not the best plan for a better you and all that stuff, but preach Jesus because when you, you receive Jesus, you receive everything. And th- this journey that we're gonna see, uh, we, we know it, the children of Israel, it, it's this journey of slavery to a point of deliverance. Now, when they're delivered, they're not living in fullness. They're living in just enough. Many believers live like that today. I, I, I know that I'm saved. I know that Jesus has encountered my life. And now, but now my life and my existence looks like every day I'm just getting through. <clears throat> and actually what, what the Lord says is, you move through that period of your life to a place of hope where there will be fruitfulness and fullness in your life abundance. And that's the journey that we all know. Because when God saved you, folks, he only had one thing in mind. Can I go right back to the old? Because I want to pull something from like Matthew 15, which is a bit of the Bible that people always go, what the heck was that about? All right, the Canaanite woman. But it goes right back to the story of the spies going into the land. So in Leviticus 20, 24, it says, but I've said to you, you shall inherit the land and I will give it to you. This is the start of it. I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord God who has separated you from the peoples. All along, it was about what God was was giving to them, that which would be supplied by grace. But it's interesting that God can promise you something by grace, but if your spirit is that of the world, you will miss it. Because there is nothing natural in us that can inherit the supernatural. They are two different things. Flesh is flesh, the spirit is spirit. And whenever God moves in your life and promises you in your life, the problem is we have the spirit of the world too much of the time where we think naturally how this will work. And the Lord says, you will never walk naturally into supernatural promise. Do you get that? It is a complete reworking of our minds and our hearts to Jesus and his work. And he starts by going, I'm gonna give this to you. Now, we, we skip over these things time and time again. We go, yeah, God's given it to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. A land flowing with milk and honey. You shall inherit their land. I have separated you from the peoples. There, there's, there's big principles here that the Lord is saying. I've separated you from everyone else in the world means you're different from them. Stop judging yourself the way that the world judges you. Stop looking at things the way the world looks at things because that what I am giving you is separate from what the world has today. Do you get that? It's not the same thing. Grace is not the same as everything else. Grace is supernatural, unearned favor in your life. And it's the only source of that is Jesus and what he gives to you. And he says at the very start, I'm gonna give you this. You're not gonna work for it. You're not gonna earn it. You're not gonna react and respond your way into it. It's gonna be my gift of provision for you. And it's gonna be different from everybody else. We've got to start on the good foundations. Do you get that? We've got to start on good soil in in the right place. Because if not, what happens is we get back to ourselves and hope dies. You know, I I do this, uh, you know, during the summer. I just, I was thinking about it this week. You know, I know we've got big stuff going on in our lives, but it applies to everything, right? I play golf badly. And, and, you know, Joseph and Annette are here, but, you know, Joseph is a wee hope killer for me because every week, right, I say to the Lord, this is my week. I pray in tongues the whole way from here to Palomina, right? <laughs> Casting out 
this, that, and the other, north, south, east, and west, blasting praise music in the car because I go, this is my week, right? And he'll just hit the ball straight, hit the ball straight. I'm going left, right, up, down, round. You know, I can hit the ball behind me. It's a gift, right? (laughs) The laws of physics don't apply when I'm playing golf. Praise Jesus, it goes everywhere. And what I find is after hole three, hope is gone, (laughs) right? And you know what? See the type of him, he wouldn't even let up. He just grinds you to the ground, right? And often I think it's like a picture of my life is playing golf with Joseph because he just... And then, do you know the thing he does? He'll, he'll hit it down the thing and then he'll turn and smile. You can go, oh, you're doing great, boy. And I'm going, shut up. <laughs> He's just saying that to get under my skin. He's like Alex Ferguson. What are you joking about, right? I actually love it. But it's just, that, it's just that feeling of, I start off so well, oh, hole four. I'm... I'm walking down going, if I hit him with a seven iron, would that be enough? You know, I'm only joking. I wouldn't do that, but it's good crack. But the thing, the thing is, it's, it's, it's like hope dies whenever we go, when we have adopt the same spirit as everyone else in the world. All along, God's going to give you, what God is going to give you in your life will be only supplied by grace. Let's read, let's get into Joshua chapter one. It says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, go over this Jordan you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. I have given to you just as I promised Moses. You see, under the law, the Lord made promises, right? And he says that even those promises that I made under the law, which are, you know, we have, it says in in the New Testament, we have a much better covenant than the law. But even what was put in under the law, he says, everything that was required, I've already done it. Do you realize that that was the people who were under the most penal religious system ever developed on the face of the earth? And, God, and the promise that you have today in 2023 is much greater. It's much greater. And if you go, oh, I don't know, you've just adopted the spirit of the world. Me, I can't see it. How's that work out? I've tried that. That's the spirit of the world. Defeat. Cycles of defeat. Going around the same mountains. Don't raise your hopes too high. Don't let faith rise. And you've heard it before. That's the spirit of the world. And it says here in Deuteronomy 6, 1, 2, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, I'm going to unpack this in the weeks to come, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you didn't build. Houses full of good things that you did not fill. Cisterns that you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you into the land of Egypt. So what what that basically means is this, is that in every area of your life, God has already said over these next months in 2024, right, I have already provided for you and supplied for you in grace. But it's going to take a spirit of grace, a spirit of Jesus and his work to inherit that. Because you cannot walk into supernatural favor with natural means of thinking and operating. I'm going to say that time and time again. And the danger for some of us is we've heard grace so many times, you've heard the word that you now have become blasé about it. That's why you need to sit in the presence of Jesus. Because when you sit in the presence of Jesus, all of a sudden you recalibrate very quickly. When you realize that he is God and you're not, that he can and you cannot, that he has done that which you will never be able to do, that he is able where you are not, that calibration in that moment of your heart and your thinking sets you on the right course again. To go, 
I can't, but he, not that he can, he's done. He's done it. That's a spirit of grace. That's what it looks like. It's a spirit that says, I live in the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of Jesus in this moment. And every day where I walk into, I am walk, and it's outrageous, isn't it? Cities you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, it's all imagery of not stuff like just like being greedy about things, but it talks about supernatural favor on your life where you have been separated from the world. Do you not think that so many times we try to live in the world with a blessing? You know, like, let's just do what the world does and then just pray for God to bless the top of it. And he's going, no, have a different spirit. And it's not do different. It's have a different spirit in you. A spirit that sees differently, believes differently, talks differently, has different expectation to what the world is like around you. And you've got to check yourself this morning. Can I just encourage you to do that? To go, where in my life am I just adopting what the world does? The same thinking. How much time do I give to sit in the presence of Jesus to allow him to recalibrate me, refocus me, to refresh me and encourage me that he is in control today? Because if you find yourself living with a lack of hope or even a cynicism about the word of God and the promise of God, then you need to get into the presence of God again. Honestly, you just need to let Jesus not bash you over the head, but to love you back to completeness, to go, go again. Because where there's no hope, there's no hope, you're never gonna walk in to fullness. Amen? So let's keep reading because there's a, there's a good bit coming up here. And uh, so what happens? So Numbers 1, 13, 2, let's, let's get into it because you start to see what the spirit of grace looks like. Now send, send a spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. You see the whole way along, there's constant reminders Right? Do you not think when the people were, were, were coming out of Egypt and uh, they're, they're looking towards Canaan, the promised land, that they would have doubted the whole way along? Like they see like, like supernatural deliverance, Pharaoh, the Red Sea, all sorts of stuff, manna from heaven. But the Lord has to keep reminding them. So if you're wondering why I'm reminding you today, it's because the Lord had to keep reminding them too. I am giving this to you. I have done this for you. Why? Because when God keeps reminding you of something, it's for one simple reason, we keep forgetting like, it's not hard, is it? If we didn't forget, he would have said it once back in Genesis and we would have gone, log that, brilliant, move on. But we don't, do we? By Tuesday lunchtime, most of you won't even know if you're saved, right? Because of what's going on, all right? You'll be going, flip me. Am I even a believer? What's that thing? I'm not going back to church ever. Jesus, he's not even real. Do you know, it's like, that's what happens. And so the Lord says, I'm giving this to you. Remember, this is my work for you. Remember, don't forget, it's my favor in your life. It's the spirit that you need to adopt and you get that, that spirit on you in the presence of Jesus. And that's what you have to do because remember, because by Tuesday, you'll have forgotten. Don't be hard on yourself. It's just life, all right? So he keeps reminding them. And he says, now send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people from each of their tribe of the fathers. You'll send a man, every one chief among them. So the 12 spies are sent out, one from each tribe. Now it's interesting here that uh, we know that Joshua and Caleb, right? But Caleb actually wasn't from that tribe. So why does the Bible say that he was? I'll leave that one hanging for you, okay? But here's what's interesting. You've got 12 people. They look the same. They talk the same. And up to this point, they all had the same experience. And this is where we need to see a huge difference. Because, you know, even if you look at like different program or different churches even or different like this is why you need to sit under grace because many things will look the same from the outside people worship music if i take church as an example 
But what you need to do is you need to see not from the outside, but you need to see from the inside and see that there's a difference. Because if you had to cast your eye over the 12 spies that day, you wouldn't have been able to tell them apart. But there was a difference about them. Numbers 13, 27, we read this. And they told them, this is the, the, the spies when they come back. We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And they had, it says they had big examples of it. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Now remember, they were told they were promised milk and honey. That just simply just means nourishment and sweetness. So in this, at the same time where we're promised where we're promised the fullness of God in our lives, the promise of God in every area of your life, there's a challenge that goes alongside it. And that's why you have to believe, you have to have a spirit of grace because the spirit of grace will help you to believe to the potential of the message that you sit under. Let me say that to you again. You will only ever believe according to the message that you sit under. Do you get that? That's why you need to have a spirit of grace. Because grace says without limit, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor on your life. So you can believe to the fullness of heaven for any area of your life, as long as it's about Jesus and his finished work. If you sit under anything else that limits God, it limits you. Do you get that? Well, believe God for your healing. Well, he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A complete distortion of scripture. All that's done is it's caused your hope and your belief to be limited to the level of the message that you sat under. Does that make sense? That's why unashamedly in exchange, we preach the full gospel, every bit of it. Unashamedly, why? If it was about us, we're all screwed, but it's not, it's about him and his work, all right? And so don't, I mean, if you're here this morning and you've gone, well, I've never seen this, ask yourself, what message am I sitting under? What am I filling my head and my heart with? Because you, you can't believe past what you give authority to in your life. Do you get that? When you sit under a word, you give authority to that word in your life. There's a spiritual authority from this pulpit. You might not understand it, but there is. And when you sit here week after week, you put yourself under that authority. And if it's, a, if it's a, an authority which goes all the way to Jesus and his completed work, then your life can rise to that level too. If it's a pulpit that pushes down the, the, the work of God and has a lot of other stuff mixed in there, then that's the only place that you're gonna be able to live to. You can't live beyond that which you give yourself to and you live under all right, so what happens here is that, you know, there's gonna be many challenges and you're gonna have many promises and many challenges, but the thing is to go, which one is bigger to you? What kind of spirit is needed to not allow the challenges to be bigger than the promise, right? Because, and here's where it starts. This is where Joshua and Caleb are different. In Numbers 14, nine, they look at the same thing because that God speaks of future as a present tense reality. That's the difference. And only two out of the 10 saw that. And they said this, the Lord is with us, don't fear them. Numbers 14. So what happens is the normal view of the world, and this is why God says, I've separated you from this. Stop sitting under it and giving yourself to it. Stop filling, filling your head and your heart with the spirit of the age. Because number one, I've separated you from it. And number two, you might look the same as everyone else, but actually you'll have the same spirit on the inside of you, which when it comes to the challenge will limit you. Joshua and Caleb look at it differently. They look the same on the outside, but they look and they go, because they have the spirit of grace on them, they look at the same situation and they go, the Lord's with us, so I'm not gonna be afraid. The Lord's with us, I'm not gonna be afraid. And that causes them then 
to, you know, to see their future, right? Not in terms of them, because when it, they see the future in terms of, when the 10 see the future in terms of them and their ability, it all becomes too big. There is no way, the people dwell in the land, I'm not going to be able to inherit, we'll never walk into it. But actually what happens is here, and it doesn't even matter. See those 10, they had seen, the, this is the thing that freaks me out at times. Those 10 had seen the goodness of God. They were part of the generation that had seen deliverance. Do you get that? But can I tell you something? When that spirit of the age is on you, when you're just the same as the world and Jesus, I'll only come to you at the last minute, but I won't build my life around your grace and your work. What happens is it doesn't matter what you've experienced in your life before. When you look forward, it'll always be too much for you. Like we've all seen the goodness of God, haven't we? We've all lived in the goodness of God. You need to probably say yes and encourage yourself. But what's interesting is no matter, sometimes no matter what we've seen in our past, it, when we're not in that moment where that spirit of grace is upon us and we're living that way, it's always too much to look forward. Always too much. And so this is what happens. Whenever their view is about them, it becomes too much. When it's about the world around them, it becomes too much. And they, they spy for 40 days and it leads to 40 years in the wilderness. There's a lesson there, isn't there? Wilderness is, is, a, is a really vivid picture in the Bible. It's about survival, no fruit, being lost, going around in circles, never being where you're supposed to be. That's just what the picture is. We don't need to be in the desert because many of us can live like that, going around in circles, okay? And what happened was in, that they only found themselves there because that spirit that they carried, even though they looked the same as everybody else, they didn't have that view of what God had given them. And so they just went round in circles. That's the picture. I want to speak into that because people go round in circles all the time. And they're, they're, they're like, oh, just one, let's keep going. And oh, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm tired of that in my life. Anybody? I don't want to go round in circles. I want to go kind of go straight line right now. Anybody? Yeah. It's like, oh, not another detour, Lord. Another, here we go again, you know, been round this one before. It's like me whenever, being a typical man, I don't listen to directions very well. You know, because why would you? <laughs> so, I, so I love sat-navs now because, and even then you don't really trust the sat-nav, let's be honest. You anyone put stuff into your sat-nav and go, I know better than that. <laughs> I do. Come on, you know it's true, don't you? It's like, I know, I know you're telling me that, but I know, I know better. And so <laughs> every time, but let's have a look here because every person over 20 dies in the wilderness and they never get to inherit that which had already been given to them because they go round and round and round in circles. But Joshua and Caleb, they're different. They do lead the children of Israel into the promised land, but it's 40 years later. 40 years. Can I, can I say to you, I honestly have this sense in my heart and my spirit about hope rising again on you and on this church to go, we're not waiting another 40 years. Do you hear me? Think about that thing in your life and say, Lord, I'm not waiting 40 years. I'm not waiting 40 years with this condition. I'm not waiting another 40 years with this sickness. I'm not waiting for 40 years with this anxiety. I'm not waiting 40 years with this lack. I'm not waiting 40 years with this despair. Enough is enough. I am going straight towards promise. Amen. Now let me tell you about Caleb. 
But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Numbers 14, 24. Why is Caleb taken, why does why he get special treatment here? What's the difference, or Caleb in Hebrew? Because there's a big difference between law and grace. Not what it looks like on the outside, but what's happened on the inside. It says that Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. Now, none of this is done by accident. Can I, can I just teach you a little bit about Caleb? So in Hebrew, Caleb, it means to be fully devoted, okay? To be faithful, fully devoted, but it also means dog, right? Now, not dog as in you dog, which is a bit of a like, I don't know. I've lost my bat many times with people, but I've never gone, you dog. It sounds a wee bit sort of Enid Blyton, doesn't it? No? <laughs> Lashings of ginger pop and all that, No? It's not an insult is what I'm trying to say. Uh, dogs are generally, ours isn't, ours is a, I, I don't like our dog as you know, but you know this whole thing of dogs, <laughs> you know, people lose their dogs and I get that. Then they're on Twitter going, oh, my dog's dead and, da, 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 and tears and all that. I'm going, our dog's a pain in the backside. It's not faithful to anything other than its stomach. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Ben phoned us, we were out last night with girls went swimming and Ben's like, flipping dogs, eating whole garlic bread, frozen. He says, garlic's really bad for it, isn't it? Is she going to die? And I went, hopefully. <laughs> Give her another one. Was that a double packet? <laughs> Put a wee bit of extra on for her. Ben, this, this could be our moment. <laughs> <Right? laughs> isn't that awful? You know I'm not even joking, right? So, Caleb in, in, in Hebrew, that name, or Caleb K, with it, it's, it's with a K, is it means Benny's gonna kill me. It means devoted. It means devoted to God. It's about faithfulness. And so when the word dog is used, it's in that sense. You know that faithful, loyal follower, devoted dog beside you, that kind of feel. For those people who have those dogs, good on you. Okay, so let me just tell you, because Caleb means that as well. But most often it just talks about devotion. Now, the, the, in this account, Caleb is called the son of Jephunneh. I'm, I, I, give me two minutes to teach. Is that okay? Because this is brilliant. So later accounts in the Bible refer to him by what's called an extended genealogy. They tell you where he comes from. And so it's Caleb, son of Japan, and this is the big bite, the Kenizzite. So you read that in Numbers 32 and Joshua 14. So scripture goes out of its way to make sure that you understand, right, that he is connected differently to the children of Israel than what we've always been taught, actually. It talks about, it connects him with Nathaniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. So we see he's in the, the, light, the line of Canaz. He's a Kenazite. Now, in the book of G Genesis, if you go all the way back, what you find is that, that Kenaz was, the great, was a grandson of Esau. Now, for those of you who don't know your Bible, you're going to be struggling here, right? So, but Esau, that means that he was not directly part of one of the tribes of Jacob. Now, this is really interesting. You can read that in Genesis 36 if you want. And uh, so what happens is the descendants of Canaz, the Kenizzites of which Caleb was one, would not have been the offspring of Jacob or part of the Israelite community. Now that we start to get interesting because we're talking about inheritance. And sometimes people will say, well, look, you know, that's for the people of God. You know, that's for God's chosen ones. And all of a sudden, there's two people who, who look 
at a situation where God is speaking promises over their life. And what we start to see is one was a Jew, right? Or was a part of the children of Israel. And one was a Gentile. Now it says that Caleb is from the tribe of Judah. So where does that come from? Well, let's have a look at it. So scripture, because scripture tells us these two things, but it goes out of the way to go, he was not part of the children of Israel originally. His line wasn't from that. All the promises of God were written to the children of Israel. I'm going to show you this in Matthew 15, first and foremost. And then we're grafted into the promises that he writes over the people. Right? So go with me. Are you following? Okay. So Caleb and Nathaniel were part of the tribe of Judah. We read that in Numbers 13, 6. And in Joshua 15, we know that they received their inheritance possession for going into the land. So it says they're off the tribe of Judah, but we know his line was as a Gentile. So what does that mean? So we can conclude at some point that either Caleb or his father would have been what's called proselytes to Israel. So Gentiles who placed faith in the God of Jacob and then submitted themselves to his commandments. And so the Lord literally adopted them into the family of Israel and into the tribes. And the Lord was pleased to use both Caleb and Nathaniel to provide leadership for the people. Now, where do we see that in Scripture? Because we, we often think it was just, in those days, it was the people of God. Not, but there were proselyte people. And Caleb was one of them. And let me tell you why that really matters to you. I'll give, I'll give you the verse first. It's Exodus 12, 48. It says, When a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, right? There's a high price to the entry. Chop, chop. In you go. And then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. And so what, what's really interesting here is that there was always room given in the, in, in the people of God, right, for those who would come under the command of the God of Jacob. And Caleb was one of them. So although we hear he's, because let me tell you why that matters. From the very beginning, because Jesus starts to, you see this in Matthew 15, and it's a bit of the Bible that most of us go, oh, what the flip that does that mean, right? I'm going to explain it to you in a minute. The, but the picture is you have two people, one from the, from the tribes and one who's a Gentile representing us all. And what the Lord was saying right back at that stage, even under that covenant, was when you come under that same spirit, you will inherit the same thing. There is nobody excluded. This was not like this was just for the children of Israel and everyone else. We're just, well, it's not for us and we can't do it. He says, no, when the two that went into the land, one was a Jew and one was like us. Now, let me read to you Matthew 15 because, um, I, you know, this is the, where a Gentile woman, the Canaanite woman comes and, um, and says, says this. That's the Lord saying, how are you? All right. Let me just read this. And Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? So that's it's a bit random, isn't it? So Jesus says, I'm also only sent for the... He's actually testing here because she's a Gentile woman. She's a Canaanite, 
right? And so Jesus goes, but I came first for the Jews, for the house of Israel, right? And then listen to what happens. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, when we don't understand actually what's happening here, this is relating straight back to the story of the spies. Because what happened was the possession that, that Caleb was given was on the edge or on the periphery of the land. He got the edge, right? Whenever he was given his possessions, it wasn't like it was less than that. He got the edge. And so here's Jesus saying, look, I only came for the house of Israel. And this woman goes, look, and then he says, it's not good to take the children's bread, talking about the promise of God, right, and give it to the dogs. And she said, yes, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Have you ever read that and gone, what the heck is that about? It's talking right about the spies going into the land. Because the reference to dog was a reference to Caleb and his faith. Because then Jesus says, oh woman, great is your faith. Do you get it? So what happens in that moment is that, that we read it and we go, that's a totally random one, don't really get it. And then we understand that the same faith that Caleb had, the dog, because that's what he was known. If you look at his imagery, uh, you see like this picture of a dog the whole way through kind of Christian topography. That is how Caleb is depicted. And so in that moment, everyone's going, this is totally random. Jesus is pushing to go, it's only for the Jews. I came for the house of Israel. He's pushing her to go, do you believe that this is for you as well? And she goes, well, even if I get the scraps, a picture of, I, get, I eat from the edge is a picture of Caleb going, his possession is on the edge of the, of, of, the, of the land. And she's going, Caleb got the edge. He got the promise. He inherited the promise. And Jesus says, exactly. You have the same faith. Boom, be it unto you. Do you get that? It's amazing. It's amazing where you start to see how the word just goes from one bit to the next and all of it is intertwined and all of it is pointing to you to say, the spirit of grace will inherit the promise of God. And in that moment, okay, if we just read on, I should have put these verses up, but go ahead and read it, right? Um, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table, right? Then Jesus answered and said, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. So that whole reference to the dog is a reference to Caleb. To go, he was a Gentile, but he inherited. I want to say to you this morning, like lift up your heads, church. Lift up your hearts this morning. Because as I get into this series, this is my introduction this morning, to go, it's that spirit right? That on the inside of you, spirit pneuma, the breath of God on the inside of you will be the reason why you walk in to the promise of God or you look like everybody else and you go round the circle and die in the wilderness. I want to tell you something. The promise of God is for you. From the very beginning, he set it up, Jew and Gentile, and said they're both going to walk in. And he says, have faith in that. You were not excluded. When Jesus said, I only came from the children, he didn't mean that you were excluded. He meant, actually, do you believe? He was pushing her to go, do you believe? I want to ask you this morning, do you do that? It's not going to come through willpower and grit in your teeth. It's going to come from connection in the presence of Jesus. Where every challenge meets its, you know, I'm going to say every challenge meets its end in the eyes of Jesus and in his power and in his grace. Bring it into his presence, sit there with it and allow him to show you what is on the inside of you. Because when it's on the inside and you're convinced of it, you will surely see it around you. Amen, church. Amen.